Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Through 25 seasons, 4,561 episodes, I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. You're about to hear a love story unlike any you've probably ever heard before. You may rush to judgment, like I did. My first thought was, is this woman out of her mind? First meet Tracy. 47-year-old Tracy says she had a typical middle-class upbringing in San Jose, California. So I grew up in a two-story house with a pool in the back, a nice neighborhood. My childhood was very happy. Nobody worried about crime, and I always felt safe, you know, wherever I went. Tracy and her two sisters were raised by loving parents. My father was an engineer, and my mother was a real estate agent. My parents were very strict. I didn't get into drugs or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Tracy went to community college where she received an accounting degree, then worked as an office administrator. She's been divorced twice. During her second marriage, her son Ryan was born. Ryan is a great kid. We have a great relationship. Yeah, it's kind of like a surprise to her. Twelve years ago, Tracy started exploring her spirituality to get to the root of her failed relationships. My mom describes me as a wild child because I basically kind of broke out of the family mold and the family conditioning when I started on a spiritual path. So I do things that look unconventional to my sisters and my mom. So now you know Tracy's backstory. Normal childhood, loving parents, educated, but a free spirit. Now listen to Joseph's story. I didn't know my father. I think I've seen him maybe two or three times, and I always wanted to be with him. When I was six years old, my mother went to prison for killing my brother's daddy. After Joseph's mother went to prison, he says he was so scared he cried himself to sleep every night. Joseph's brother, Mel, remembers those hard times. Growing up in Oakland for Joseph and I was really, really tough and bad. We lived in a foster home. We lived with rats and roaches, and it was really tough for my little brother. Joseph and his brothers moved in with extended family. It was there, Mel says, he and Joseph were sexually abused. 
They had us to have oral sex with them. We didn't know what that was or meant or anything. We finally realized when we grew up that it was wrong. And that was a terrible experience for us. As a teen, Joseph ended up homeless, living in abandoned houses with no running water. I grew up on the streets of Oakland, and uh, it was horrible. You see murders, rapes, robbery, and I just learned how to just cut off my feelings from seeing that, you know? I started selling drugs around 12 or 13. My heart started just growing colder and colder over the years. I got arrested uh, numerous times for possession and going in and out of juvenile hall. I don't think I had a chance to have a normal life because it started so early with me going to foster homes, being abused as a kid. I never really knew what real love was. The only thing I wanted was my own mother and father. Joseph's young life was a far cry from Tracy's poverty, neglect, abuse, drugs. Then one night when Joseph was 19 years old, he made a fatal decision. In January of 1997, according to police, Joseph, along with two other men, stormed a rival drug dealer's apartment in San Diego. There were five people inside. Witnesses say Joseph held the victims at gunpoint and forced them to lie face down on the ground. Even though they begged for their lives, he shot them execution style, one by one. Police found two people dead. Two others were shot multiple times, but survived. Another young woman was beaten and barely escaped alive. I covered hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of trials and many murder cases, and this was pretty brutal slaying. Jackson was 19 or 20 years old then and just had a complete disregard for human life. At his trial, the prosecutor called the murders the Super Bowl of crimes and said Joseph deserved to die for the brutal slayings. The defense argued Joseph's traumatic childhood led him to a life of crime. The jury deadlocked, six to six. I think some of the jurors felt that they weren't going to sentence him to death because of the way he'd been brought up. And there were others that felt, well, there's a lot of people that have difficult childhoods that don't murder people, certainly not execution style. Joseph received a lesser sentence of life without the possibility of parole. So two people living in dramatically different worlds, you'd think they'd never even cross their paths. But four days ago, Tracy and Joseph got married. They got married. Tracy is here, and we are expecting Joseph to call from prison at any moment. So I have so many questions. Hello. Hi. First off, how did you two meet? I was part of a um, celebration that was part of a program for the prison. So mm -hmm. we went in. I'm part of an African dance troupe. Mm -hmm. And so there's a men's group in the prison, and once a year they have a celebration. So they have a men's group that does what? That assists the men in processing all their childhood issues mm -hmm. and getting in touch with their emotions and their rage and helping them work through that. So you were there as a part of this group. Dancing. Right. Yes. And what happened? Well, walking through the prison was quite, you know, I don't know anybody in prison. I don't know anybody who knows anybody in prison. And so I was going in kind of, you know, as a service to do this dance, mm -hmm. you know. Joseph was actually the first person that I talked to. I kind of stood in the middle of the room waiting for something to happen, and he was sitting in the chair next to me, and he said, you know, hi. And we started a conversation. He asked me to sit down, and so. And so was there some kind of 
connection or what? Yeah, yes, there was a connection right away. It, it, it felt really like an internal connection, like a knowingness, a familiarity, mm -hmm. you know, with this person. Okay. Um, it was very easy to talk to him and, uh, yeah, it was a strong connection. And then what happened? Uh, and then we did our dance performance, and as we were about to leave, you know, we t got an opportunity to speak a little bit more, and... Were you attracted to him right away? Was it like love at first sight or something? It wasn't love at first sight, because I had no intention of getting involved in anybody in prison. Mm -hmm. You know, he was an attractive man, and mm -hmm. I felt the connection, but it's, it was like, I'm not going there, you know. And, um, but at the end of the performance, when we were leaving, he asked me to hold out my hands, and... He's, you know, held his hand above it, and he went like that, and he said, I'm giving you my heart. And so I kind of, you know, just <laughs> didn't know what to do with that. But, I mean, it did touch me deeply. So then you went home, and then did you think about him or think about that incident, or...? I thought about him quite a bit for, like, three days, you know, solidly, and then my mind just said, you know, what are you doing? Don't... <laughs> you can't go there. You're not going to go there. Just, you know. But were you thinking, this. like, what was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could feel the connection. Mm -hmm. But my, like I said, my background and my upbringing was just, like, I'm not going to be involved with a prisoner at all. Most of us can't comprehend committing your life to a man who's spending the rest of his life in prison, much less a double murderer. Our cameras were with Tracy the night before and on her prison wedding day. It's the night before my wedding, and this is what I'm going to be wearing. Uh, I think he's going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. The prison has strict rules for wedding ceremonies. His ring has to be under $100, so I actually have to provide the prison with a receipt for the ring because, you know, if it's too valuable, somebody might want to steal it. Hello. Joseph can call Tracy from prison up to two times a day. She never knows when the call may come. Hi. Hey, baby. So, day, baby. It was great. I'm tired. You're a little tired? Yeah, and now I want to get nervous. I haven't been nervous all this time, and now I'm starting to get nervous. We're going to be married tomorrow. I know. I want to kiss you and hug you. Yeah. Gosh, it's only hours away, babe. I love you, babe. I love you too. Okay, I'll see you in the morning. Good morning. Welcome to wedding day. It's the big day. Never been to a wedding. Uh, second time going to a prison. I'm feeling kind of excited and a little, maybe a little nervous. Oh. <laughs> what do you think? I want to make sure I can get in with my pretty purple top that's pretty tight. <laughs> they have very strict clothing rules about things being too tight. I'm about to marry Joseph Jackson. <laughs> Who would have thought walking into a barbed wire prison maximum security electric fence for my wedding day? <laughs> that was never in my vision. <laughs> 
Here we go. See you on the outside. <laughs> oh. I'm a married woman! Yay! <laughs> and I've got beautiful pictures, beautiful pictures. We were both so emotional, and we were just looking into each other's eyes, and you know, tears were like coming down from both of our faces, and we told each other we loved each other. <laughs> Your son was saying that this is the second time he's been in prison, only the second time. So he'd been before. He he went to visit mm -hmm. Joseph before. And how did your son? T how did you present this to your son, and how did he feel about it? My son is perfectly fine with it. Mm -hmm. He um, supports my decisions mm -hmm. in life as I support his. And what do your parents say? My mother is not happy mm -hmm. about this at all. She wanted me to change my mind and mm -hmm. not get married. And why couldn't you just, or was it not satisfactory to befriend him, um, you know, love him, uh, care for him, respect him as a human being, all those things that you're saying that you do, mm -hmm. why, why was marriage necessary? The marriage to me represented more of our spiritual path that we share together. Mm -hmm. And you know, he feels like he's working on the inside to carry that love place within him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm working on the outside and we are working towards the same goal. And our commitment was not only to each other in that marriage, mm -hmm. but to this path also. You know, I've talked to lots of people over the years on this show who've experienced the worst day of their lives. They've done terrible things. They've made mistakes in the worst day of their lives. However, he did, on the worst day of his life, one of the worst days of his life, kill execution style two other people. Mm -hmm. Have you talked to him about that and what that means? Yes, we've talked about that and he, you know, he almost doesn't relate to that person just like I don't relate to that person. You know, he's not that person anymore at all. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Joseph is on the phone from California State Prison. So, Joseph, hello. Hey, Oprah. So, is Tracy the first woman you've had a relationship with since you've been in prison? Yes. And she was just explaining to us how this happened and how you on that first night, put your hand above hers and said, I'm giving you your heart. What was it that you felt for her when she first came to prison? I felt so connected to her. It was, I couldn't help myself. I, I, just, I just knew she was the one. But you have a life sentence without parole. So when you, uh -huh. th when you think in terms of the one, uh, have you, were you thinking that you were going to be with her for the rest of your life or have her be with you for the rest of your life outside of, uh, you know, the prison walls? That didn't even come into my mind. That didn't, me being in prison was, wasn't even on my mind. I just knew that I wanted to be with her. You wanted to be with her. And so then how long, Tracy, before you all actually connected after that? Well, I took a whole year to mm -hmm. be able to come to terms with giving it a possibility of seeing Were you in communication? Going. Like, did he, were you calling him or no, no, calling no. you? No, no, uh -huh. not for a year. And then after a year, I went in for another performance mm -hmm. and we connected again and we started talking and I said I was ready to 
start writing him letters and see what kind of a relationship. I was going to treat it like any other relationship, but. That sounds like the weirdest ass thing to me. I <laughs> It really does sound like, I have to just say, that feels so The guy is in prison. Joseph, we're talking about you like you're, you're not here because you're not. But the, the, Joseph is in prison for committing double murder, life without parole, and you say, I'm going to treat it like all of my other relationships. I, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it meant that I was going to get to know him as a person who he was right now in this time and this day. Uh -huh. I knew it was a maximum security prison. Uh -huh. I knew that he had committed a crime when he was a teenager. Uh -huh. The person that I saw, that I met that day at the dance, that was the per person that I connected with. So you're saying, I'm going to meet you where you are right now exactly. as a human being. Exactly. Joseph, you say you're a changed man now because of Tracy. What do you mean by that? Well, the face that she gives me, she just gives me the face to just be me. Mm -hmm. I can be silly. I can be crazy. She loved me. I, I really didn't know what love was. She scared the hell out of me because of the love and just her heart is so open. I just, she gives me the strength to just... To just grow. Was this the first time you think you felt love before? Yeah, I've, ne I've never felt love before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know all hearts respond to love in a way that it makes you want to open your heart right. and, and, yeah. uh, and love other people. So you were convicted of double murder. That's two lives. People want to know why do you deserve to be happy, actually? Uh, for one, I'm still breathing. I believe that I still have a mission on this earth. If, if I didn't supposed to be here, believe me, I would not be alive right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. By the things that I've done in my life, I don't say that I deserve anything, but I believe that God or spirit or whatever you want to call it is, is very forgiving. Uh-huh. I know people don't understand that, but I deserve it because I went through the process of changing myself. I, I went through the whole process of looking at everything that I've done in my life and the things that happened to me, and I decided that I want to be happy, and I'm going to be happy. I don't care how much time I got. I don't care what I've done in the past. I've forgiven myself. Did, did you own up to what you had done or who you had been and the choices that you had made that put you where you are? Uh, of course I did. The first thing was that I, all the pain that I've seen in here is it's still so, it's still so strong. I was just tired of hurting myself and going through that. So I began to read a lot of books and pray and meditate. And went through all the different religious things. Then I got into a different place. Just the things that I'm going through on the inside, getting to the heart of the matter. And uh -huh. it, it was crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. So you're saying that you had been doing some work on yourself because all work comes from the in, in, inside. And of course. yeah, how do you yeah. how do you feel now today about the crimes that you committed and the lives that were lost because of you? I'm, I've taken responsibility for everything that I've done in my life. I'm not in. A, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not in a guilt place. I'm not in a sad place. But I do have remorse. I do have remorse for the things that I've done in life. Mm -hmm. No, but I can't. I cannot live in guilt. I can't. I can't live in that place because I was 19 years old. I didn't even know, I, I wasn't even living. I was just walking around like a zombie. So it's kind of, I didn't feel like I was living. Yeah. So do you expect Tracy to remain faithful to you? Uh, I, I expect Tracy to do what she's telling me she's going to do. 
Okay, you did not answer the question, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna keep it real, Oprah. I'm gonna put my foot down and say yes. I believe I I, I expect her to be faithful to me. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you, sir. <laughs> so, uh, will you all ever get conjugal visits? Will you ever have a conjugal visit? Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm hoping so. They're talking about changing, but as of right now, we. We cannot have a family visit. I, well, I, I said the word conjugal on purpose, as in <laughs> conjugal <laughs> visit. Yeah. They <laughs> so, call them family visits They now. call them family visits. <laughs> yes. <now>. OK. <laughs> family visits where you conjugate. Yes. Uh, yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> so, so you're saying you all will never, you all will never have sex? Well, we expect the system to change. Mm -hmm. And, you know. Oh, what a night that's going to be if that <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Let's flash forward, though, five years from now. You, you know, said the traditional vows mm -hmm. that you were going to love, honor, and cherish this man. That's five years of a marriage based on phone conversations and prison visits. How will you be able to sustain that, really? I'll be able to sustain it because that's what I was doing before I met Joseph anyway. And I have been in a situation where I haven't had sex for a year, three years, five years. You know, so it's not anything that's dramatically life-altering yeah. to not have sex for that long. Mm -hmm. Well, I thank you. Thank you, Tracy and Joseph. Wish you the best. Thank you. The very best. Thank you. The great time. Last year, I had the most fascinating and eye-opening conversation with a group of nuns from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I had no idea, just as I know many of you did not either, of what their lives were really like. We got an unprecedented look at life inside a convent. There are 750,000 Catholic nuns around the world. 60,000 are right here in the United States. In Ann Arbor, Michigan, there is a thriving convent where the average age of a sister is just 28 years old. This group of 113 nuns live, work, has a big mane. and play all together in perfect harmony. On the show, we learned about the sisters' vows of poverty, obedience, and chastity. Do you ever miss the affection of a man? I feel like I've reclaimed my sexuality from an over-saturated, sexualized world, and that I don't want to be an object. I view my sexuality as a precious thing. And a lesson I will never forget. I was thinking about, you know, how people move through the world without ever taking a moment to think about uh, the power that's greater than, than themselves. If you think about if you don't believe in something greater than yourself, you'll never do anything greater than yourself. That's good. I'm going to quote you on that. That was very good. That's very good. So it wasn't easy getting nuns to allow our cameras inside their sacred world. We have the four founding sisters to thank for that. Mother Assumpta, Sister Joseph Andrew, Sister John uh, Dominique, and Sister Mary Samuel are all here. Thank you all Thank you. for being here. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. This year, the convent had almost double the amount of young women wanting to become nuns uh, after our show. So here's a rare look at what that first day at the convent is like. 
Today, 22 young women will begin their journey toward becoming a nun. When they enter the convent, they're called aspirants. I can't believe it's finally come. I know, I'm so happy. They will never have sex, will never own possessions, will never have their own money for the rest of their lives. A year and a half ago, I uh, ended a relationship. I wanted the idea of marriage more than anything. I'm ready for this life. I'm ready to fully give myself to Christ freely. The next year will be focused on studying, praying, and training to become nuns. I graduated from high school back in June. I guess I knew ever since I was really little, like I never had any doubts that God was calling me. They come from all walks of life. I graduated on May 27th from Harvard. People kind of think when they think Harvard to a convent is kind of like you're just giving up a lot of opportunities and possibilities. I think that's it. The youngest is just 16 years old. When God calls you, you go. He knows that I need to be here at this age. And so who am I to say no? It's like when you fall in love and you meet the person that you're supposed to marry, I know it in my heart that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It is a radical choice. Some won't make it through the difficult first year. You can leave at any time during the first year. You listen where God wants you to leave. And if in six months he tells me that I'm supposed to be doing something else, then you listen. For their parents, today is bittersweet. For me as a father, you know, when you give your, your, your daughter to, to a husband, you expect to see him again or see her, see them. But see, we're not going to see her. It's a sever. It's like cutting the umbilical cord. And that's hard. That's been hard. You know, we are literally not going to be a part of her day-to-day -day living from this point on. Aspirants arrive with just bed sheets and a few personal items. No makeup or jewelry. No cell phones. No computers are allowed. I did give up Facebook and I gave up texting and email. This is the postulant outfit that the sisters will be wearing for a year. The clothes they wore to the convent will be taken home by their parents. It consists of a vest, a skirt, this lovely black belt, a pair of, look at how, look, these are shoes. These, <laughs> not Prada. <laughs> Families watch the aspirants perform their first procession and prayers with their new sisters. God asked certain people to go from something very familiar, something known to something unknown. Then it's time for emotional goodbyes. They won't be allowed to call home. The newest sisters can only write letters to their parents. I'm gonna miss her, but this is what she wants to do. This will be the hardest part, leaving me out and not taking her along with us. That is amazing. So, Mother Assumption, that was a few months ago. Are all of those girls who came that day still there? They're still there. Right. <laughs> they are Persevering. <laughs> Persevering, Sister Joseph Angel, what happens in the first year that's so difficult? In the first year, they really have to make those breaks with so many of their friends and their, their family. They don't break them, but they learn how to love them very much in a, in a deeper spiritual manner, not in a, you know, a human physical manner, so to speak. There, there has to be that set, setting apart for Christ to become all to us, and then we can really love them again in a more complete manner. Joining us from the convent are the newest sisters. Sister Marianne, hello. 
Hi, Oprah. Hi. <laughs> so you are, we just saw you on the tape, graduated from Harvard in May. Did you always want to be a nun? I thought about it for a very long time, yes, ever since I can remember. But I didn't really make the final decision um, or really start thinking about it very seriously until junior year of college. And Sarah, you know your parents are here. Yes. Your parents. <laughs> and tell me, how has it been for you there? How's the adjustment been? I think the hardest thing would just would be being away from my family because I'm so close to them and I love them all so much. Well, Sister Sarah's parents, Steve and Karen, are here. And you say sometimes you can't believe you have a daughter that's a nun. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I've, you know, we look at each other and we say, wow, she's in the convent and she's not You here. wanted to raise a nice girl. Yeah. You succeeded. Uh, um, you know, we miss her every day, you know, especially our, our family is very close and we do a lot, everything together. Hardest part for you? The hardest part for me has been the fact that I don't, we don't get to see her every day. But as a dad, what's the, what's the prime thing we want for our daughters? We want them to be happy. We want them to be safe. We want them, I mean, that's what it's all about. So she's very happy. She's very safe. I don't have to worry about who she hanging out with. <laughs> where, where is she going Hello. at night? Exactly. <laughs> what kind of dress she's gonna have. Right, right. We know what she's wearing. Right, you know what she's doing on a Saturday night. Exactly. <laughs> hanging with the sisters. <laughs> When Catholic nuns take their final vows, they call it their wedding day. Did you all know that? I did not know that till the last show that we did. I was so fascinated by that. And the groom is Jesus Christ. The Dominican Sisters of Mary invited us to their big day. This summer, the sisters invited us to witness two extraordinary wedding ceremonies. It's my wedding day. <laughs> it's our wedding day. We met not one, but 13 nervous brides. A little nerve-wracking. Welcome, Oprah. <laughs> We've been That's waiting for this. this I, know, for, I mean, for three years in our whole life. Like any wedding, it's an emotional day for the bride's parents. It's very happy. It's been a, quite a journey. <laughs> Catholic priests preside over the wedding ceremony. Sisters take their eternal vows and enter into a marriage with Jesus Christ. The brides walk down the aisle in a single procession. The habit the sisters wear every day is considered their wedding dress. Their groom is present only in spirit. May Almighty God grant you his grace to fulfill your resolutions. Amen. Sisters profess these marriage vows twice during the eight years it can take to become a nun. I, Sister Maria Silva, make to God in your hands the simple vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience. After three years at the convent, the sisters in white veils are committing to Jesus for the first time. Sisters receive these veils Eight sisters go in a room where our cameras are not allowed and come out now wearing a black veil. Nuns who have worn black veils for five years are now taking their final vows. 
The ceremony ends with the sisters lying face down at the altar. This marriage is a true covenant, a real communion of fidelity, which will last forever. This ritual symbolizes the death of their old life and their ultimate commitment to serving Jesus Christ as their husband. Sister Maria and Sister Maria Catherine are here. We just saw them in the tape going through uh, from white veils to black. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank Congratulations. you so much. Black is my color. <laughs> <laughs> and so where were you in your life when you realized you wanted to be married to Jesus Christ? I was sitting in my, on my couch in my, in my house and I had an apartment on the lake and, <laughs> and I was in, in front of my TV and I had just finished decorating and I How old sat, I was, uh, this was, 31. Mm -hmm. I sat in front of my couch and I looked at the stereo and I looked at the hot, like my whole entertainment center and I thought, and I said it out loud. I, don't, I usually don't talk to myself out loud. I said, I could give it up all tomorrow and it wouldn't mean a hill of beans. Really? I, I came to a point where I said, okay, this is it. And if I know this is it, then I have to do it. I have to, that's it. And you never looked back? No. We just witnessed a nun's most sacred ceremony, marrying Jesus. Uh, and just like all brides, there's a party with cake. <laughs> nuns eat cake. <laughs> Sister, congratulations. Congratulations. You're smiling, like it was just like this oh my, big... I couldn't, I couldn't stop. It was like <laughs> taking over my whole body. 400 people at a wedding reception can be chaos. I can carry something. Put 100 nuns in charge. Oh, well, the cake is going oh, down there. And it's a piece of cake. It's a typical guest list. Mothers, fathers, brothers, and sisters. Even young girls who dream of becoming brides of Jesus themselves one day. I've definitely thought about it. Yeah. And it's, it's come across thinking my mind about. a lot. Being with Jesus the whole time. Yeah. Being Jesus, like, 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. I mean, what better husband? <laughs> <laughs> While this is a happy day, it wasn't easy for some parents to accept their daughter's chosen path. I never thought it was going to be this day. I thought she would marry a handsome young man and have lots of children, and I'd be a grandmother. And so this was uh, sort of a surprise. Of course, we thought, oh, she'll grow up and get married and have, you know, a family and a a life that one would think, you know, is normal. Certainly, I, you know, I thought about walking her down the aisle someday and uh, having her, you know, with a, with a young man, very happy. And, and I see, you know, really today is that day. The difference between walking down the aisle with your dad and, you know, seeing your husband at the end of the aisle, it's only going to last a certain amount of time. But for me, my love is eternal. In other words, I'm full-fledged bride of Christ. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I can believe it. So when you were sitting in your living room at 31 and said, you know, I could lose it all tomorrow because it doesn't mean a hill of beans, 
Um, had you been a materialistic person before that? Oh, yes. Are you kidding? Oh, my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's funny because I think everyone on some level looks for what is good, beautiful, and true. Mm -hmm. And I think my problem was that I looked for what's good, beautiful, and true in material things. And so I'm trying to fill this this eternal longing with temporal things, and that never works. That's not going to fulfill yes. you. Well, that's a great message for the world right now. Mm -hmm. So when you get out into the world, do you, do you not think, wow, iPads? <laughs> <laughs> you, never, you never think about that? No. I remember with my last job, I had a laptop, mm -hmm. and I had the cell phone and the PDA and the whatever. And you know, you get laptops so that you can be mobile. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest ball and chain of my entire life. Mm -hmm. I was so happy to be rid of the whole thing. The whole thing. Though It's so freeing to be without those things. Well, how hard was it to give up the dream that your parents had for you? You know, when I told my parents that I, um, that I was gonna join the convent, I had never heard my father get angry before. He was so How old were mad. you when you made that decision? I was 27. 27. And I called him up on the phone and told him he was so mad. And I was entering in three weeks. But by the time my parents put me on the plane to come to Ann Arbor, my father turned to me and he said, if you get there and you don't like it, call us and we will fly you home. And if you get there and you love it, we will come and visit you. Oh. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I love that. I mean, it was just this total. Tra I watched my family totally change, and now we value our relationships so much more. Wow! Wow! Oh yes. So I have to ask, how, Mother Assumpta, how young is too young? We saw on the tape a, a girl who was 16 years old. You would never accept someone at 16 years old if you did not think that she was capable of making. And actually, maturity is not a matter of age. Right. You could have somebody in their 40s more immature than somebody 50 Absolutely. years old. Absolutely. We've seen them. So yes. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, sitting here listening to you all, your family would have had a much better reaction if you said you were going to marry Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, I would like to know, Mother Assumpta, what has it been like for you all to open yourselves up like this? To, to television. You know, Oprah, I, I really, I, to be honest, when, uh, when the producer called, I really hesitated. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the reason that we did it, because we realized that you wanted, you were going to give us the freedom to tell our story. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate that, you know, and that's, that's why we did it. I mean, but I must say in the beginning, I thought, there's no way that we're going to be on Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> and now look. <laughs> Hello. Uh, I can see that. Is it true, Sister Mary Samuel, that you have no room now and need to build another? Oh, yeah, that's exciting. Our, our goal was to build for 100 sisters, uh, build a monastery, and then to spread out to another part of the country and um, allow for others to help us to build these. Mm -hmm. Uh, particular mother houses. So we have to build, uh, which is a great problem to have, but we do need help financially to build these buildings. I loved when I walked in this morning and I, you know, you know, everybody goes, hey, sister, I went in, morning, sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing you all said to me, and the last time you were here, you left me with beautiful uh, rosary beads, and the first thing you said is, we pray for you every yes. day. 
Yes. Thank you so yeah, much. We do. Thank you for your prayers. To all the Dominican Sisters of Mary, thank you all for opening up your home and lives to us. It's really something we've never seen before. Everyone looks so peaceful and calm and happy. I said to the producers this morning, what do they do for their skin? <laughs> Everybody's skin looks so great. You're sweet. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening.